Okay, now in this part we're going to see how the beating hosides, healing hosides, they work, and as part of the specific immunity or adaptive immunity. In this graph, what we see is how these beating hosides, or number one, are depicted here, containing antibodies attached to the surface, the membrane, and whenever they are exposed. They are exposed to antigens, which may be viruses, microbes, or bacteria, or just molecules of foreign substance. When they are recognized by the B cells, by these antibodies on the surface, and these are just part of the B cell, this is how they are made in the bone marrow. They detect those, and that stimulates proliferation, mitosis. So these B cells will start to replicate. And they will form what we call clone, a clone of cells, meaning that from this point on, all the cells that are replicated from this one will be exactly the same. And they will be stimulated to make antibodies against this specific antigen. And this is what we see as a result. We see plasma cells. Plasma cells are transformed feeding for sites. Specialized in production of antibodies. They're gonna make antibodies against that specific antigen. Lots of them. Lots of antibodies that are released to the plasma, to the circulation. And some of these cells will remain as memory cells. These cells will stay in our body for a long time. Memory cells, they will contain information about that antigen that at some point stimulated B lymphocytes to make antibodies. And this is actually the, the basis of vaccinations and immunizations. Because if this antigen is the vaccine, we are stimulated B lymphocytes to form clones to make antibodies in a limited way. But the most important of this will be the creation of memory cells that will stay in our body. So if we get exposed to the real antigen, the real microorganism later on, then our body is prepared to respond. So this is how the B lymphocytes work, and how they are stimulated, they turn into plasma cells to make antibodies and memory cells that will stay uh, that we retain information of that specific antigen. Antibodies. The antibodies are proteins called immunoglobulins, and there are five different types that are listed here. We assign them letters G, A, E, M, and D. This is the order in which they have been described, and thus there's no specific logical sequence for that or explanation. Uh, and uh, some of these, like the D, let's highlight some of these properties. The type D is the one on the surface of the B lymphocyte that we saw in the previous picture. That B lymphocytes are, are, are made like that with the antibody on the surface. That type is the IgD.
Then the other two that are important to remember are the M and G. Why? Because the type M, the type M, is the one secreted, is the one made initially during the primary response. Let's say if you get a viral disease and you determine the timeline, first innate immunity is activated, then adaptive immunity, B lymphocytes, the first B lymphocytes to react will make M, type M antibody. Then as long as the days go by, like after three, five days perhaps, then the type G will be made. And the type G is the one that will stay for a long time in your plasma. And those are usually the markers that are looked for in some tests. And the type G is the one that is made after immunization, the one that stays in our body for a long time. Yeah, they are part of the memory cell. The M type is produced in the active, acute phase of the disease. The G is the one that remains after the infection is gone. The type A is the one present in the mother's milk and in the saliva, part of the digestive system. They're also present in the respiratory system. And the type E is related with allergic reactions. We'll see that at the end of the chapter, how this immunoglobulin E mediates allergic reactions. That's a representation of how these antibodies are uh, in the molecular structure and how they bind to the antigens on the surface of bacteria. As seen before, these antigens may have different shapes, different types of antibodies can be made against one specific bacteria. And this is the molecular structure of the antibody. We have different letters here, like the V and C. The V stands for variable. So this part of the molecule, the one that attaches to the antigen, is variable. It changes according to the molecular structure of the antigen. Here and here. And the C part, C for constant, that's a constant region, meaning that all types, all the antibodies type G are the same, this constant region. But it may change, the B region may change depending on the type of antigen that, uh, that it reacts to. And it actually has that shape, like the letter Y. Um, if we go and see the molecular structure that is represented in that way because um, the protein actually has that little bit of that shape. 
We spoke about complement before, and this is part of the innate immunity, but let's see how it works and uh, uh, how this helps for the immune system. And we brought it here because um, it's something that starts in the, in the innate immunity part, non-specific, but it goes through the adaptive phase also. There are different ways that this can be activated. We call classic an alternative pathway. We're not going too much into those details. It's important to remember that this complement system uh, helps to destroy some types of bacteria, basically. And phagocytes, macrophages especially, they are the ones that help in this process too. So this system of proteins called complement actually works like markers. It marks some cells, some bacteria. So the phagocytes will locate them and destroy them better. It's a group of proteins that are called from C1 to C9. C1 is the one that recognizes the foreign particle. C2, 3, and 4, they are activators. And the C5 to C9 are called attack complex. This is a summary of all that. You don't need to remember every single step, but notice all these proteins, how they work. C1 is a recognition, the one that recognizes the bacteria here. C2 to C4, all these part are activators. And finally, C5 to C9 is the attack complex, which actually makes, what it makes on the wall of the bacteria is a hole. It makes a hole in the membrane of the cell wall. And when a hole is made in the cell, you can imagine what happens. There's a complete imbalance of osmosis and a change of ions, and the cell will die. And since they are attached to the surface, they are markers. So the phagocytes will find these bacteria marked by the complement and will destroy them better. It will capture them better. Now let's see the T lymphocytes. T lymphocytes are of different types. All of them are recognized by having a molecule, a surface molecule in the membrane called CD8. And the CD letters come from the word cluster of differentiation, which is a term that was uh, used when they started studying these lymphocytes and uh, in the lab making cultures of lymphocytes they started differentiating in a different way or growing in a different way and they started labeling like cluster differentiation one cluster differentiation four and then and so forth and so on so these killer t lymphocytes are the ones that have this marker called cd8 there's 
more types, not only the killer, also called cytotoxic, we have the helpers, T-cells, the regulatory T-lymphocytes, which are T-lymphocytes, but they are different in the type of markers also. Well, the killer lymphocytes are cytotoxic. They have the CD8 on the surface. They are the ones that destroy body cells that harbor foreign antigens. How this happens? Viral infections. The virus is a microorganism that infects cells. How they work, they get into the cells. They get inside the cells. They get and attach to the DNA of the cell. They change the cell. The cell starts working abnormally. And those strange features that happen after the cell is infected by a virus, those features are recognized by the T lymphocytes, by the killer T lymphocytes. Killer T lymphocytes will destroy those abnormal cells, infected cells by the virus. It will also attack transplant cells. And in summary, what they do is secrete chemicals that will create a big hole in the cell and that way it will get destroyed. Or this type of enzymes called granzymes will trigger apoptosis in those infected cells. And those infected cells will be destroyed in that way. When we have an infection, a viral infection, for instance, it's very common to have a laryngitis, pharyngitis, sore throat because of a virus. And all these cells of the respiratory or the oral mucosa, they are infected by the virus. And the immune system, what it does is come and destroy all those cells that are infected. And that's why we start having so much irritation because it's like an open wound. Because all these cells have been destroyed, are being destroyed. And of course, they are replaced, but it takes some days for them to be replaced. So the sore throat is because of that? Yeah. All these infected cells are being destroyed and removed. So new cells will grow and replace them. So that's a cytotoxic cell, also called killer T lymphocytes. The other type of T lymphocyte is called helper. In this case, the surface uh, molecule is a CD4, and it's called helper because, as the word says, it's going to help improve the ability of B lymphocytes. So it will help the B lymphocytes <coughs> in the process of transformation to plasma cells, so it will produce more antibodies. Helps with that. And it also helps in the transformation of T cells into cytotoxic or killer cells. How they do that? Through the secretion of chemicals called lymphokines. Very important type of cell of the immune system. This CD4 or helper T lymphocytes. The other type is called regulatory T lymphocytes which has a CD4 and CD25 molecules on the surface. 
They were called previously, some time ago, they were called suppressor T lymphocytes because what it does is actually balance the action of the helper. Helper helps. The regulatory will stop the help. It will balance this stimulation. So that's why I would say inhibit response of B lymphocytes and killer T lymphocytes. It actually regulates the response. And all these uh, concepts were found out, especially after studying this group of diseases called autoimmune diseases. Autoimmune diseases are diseases where an excessive response, an excessive immune response is seen because of the lack of regulation. And some of these people have problems with the T, regulatory T lymphocytes, which are not balancing the response, and it's an exaggerated immune response sometimes. How does that happen? Many different type of things. Uh, some of these autoimmune diseases are genetic determined, inherited. Some others are triggered by some type of infections. Some viruses may, are able to change their DNAs and start producing excessive immune response. Uh, for instance, um, diseases like thyroiditis. We studied some about the thyroid gland, and there are some viral diseases that happen in the thyroid gland that later will stimulate, continuous stimulation of the thyroid and produce hyperthyroidism because of that. And it's considered an autoimmune disease. And it may happen after a viral infection of these cells, a transformation or change in the regulatory T lymphocytes. Now this diagram uh, helps to explain and understand the interaction of all these cells. Here we have a stem cell. The stem cell is that cell in the bone marrow or thymus explained before how the lymphocytes develop. Some of them in the bone marrow, some others in the thymus. So we have B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes here. If these cells are exposed to an antigen, this is how they're going to react. The B lymphocyte will turn into plasma cells, make antibodies, and some of them will turn into memory cells. We saw that. Now what happens when the T lymphocytes is exposed to an it will be transformed into a cytotoxic killer T lymphocyte. These two are the ones, T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes, cytotoxic and B lymphocytes, are the ones that are the main actors of the immune response. But there are other types of cells here, look. Helper T lymphocytes here, helper T lymphocytes, and regulatory T lymphocytes. What are they gonna do? The helper is going to help in this process transformation of B lymphocytes to plasma cell. And it will also help the transformation of T lymphocytes into cytotoxic lymphocytes. The regulatory will regulate these responses. We have a fine adjustment and the, the, the immune response will be very well calculated according to the type of injury or challenge. And I said the helpers are a very important part of this uh, play because 
what happens if you don't have helpers here? We, for some reason, eliminate the helper till infocytes. Now there's no one to help. And if the antigen virus, microorganism, enters the body, will stimulate B and T lymphocytes, and this will happen, but it will happen on a very low scale, not strong enough. B lymphocyte will turn into plasma cell, yes, but not so effective. T lymphocyte to cytotoxic, yeah, but not so effective. And we have a problem. This is the case of HIV. HIV, the virus, targets helper T lymphocytes. This is the target of the HIV. And if we attack helper T lymphocytes, we are actually diminishing the power of the immune system. And that's why it's called acquired immunodeficiency problem. It's acquired because it's a virus. Immunodeficiency, that virus is attacking helpers and it's bringing all the immune system down. And now the response is not well, it's not good. Any infection can come, a pneumonia can kill you, you can have cancer, skin cancer, connective tissue cancers, because the response is not good. That's importance of the health for TB for science. So in Not necessarily the first online, but a very important part of the specific immunity. Lymphokines. The lymphokines are chemicals. We've been mentioning lymphokines, and that's actually how the lymphocytes will stimulate um, other cells or stimulate other type of lymphocytes. This is the way the helper T lymphocytes help. They secrete lymphokines that will stimulate the B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes to transform and, and work. I mean, there, there are different types, up to more than 18, 20 different types of lymphokines. Uh, you don't have to remember all the exact numbers and uh, type of action. Only remember that the lymphokines are important for interaction, stimulation, inhibition of the immune response of different levels. But the lymphocytes, macrophages, all these immune system cells. And you see, if you read the, uh, the function of each of the interleukin or lymphokines, but they are called, they have different names. You can call it cytokine, lymphokine, or interleukin. Well, cytokine because it's made by the cell, lymphokine because it's made by the lymphocyte, and interleukin because it works mediating leukocytes, like was interleukin. So all those terms they can use? They are used in the same way. So it's interleukin, lymphokine? Or cytokine. Mm -hmm. Now another important difference of T cell with B cell, we have seen the B cells have an antibody on the surface that detects the antigen. Well, the T cell works in a different way. 
It has some receptors on the surface that helps to recognize uh, proteins or foreign proteins. But the foreign antigens will not bind to these receptors directly. There must be a mediator. That mediator is called APC, or antigen-presenting cells. What are those cells? Macrophages. Macrophages, remember I said, that's a very important link between innate immunity and adaptive immunity. This is the link, the macrophage. Because the macrophage is going to present the antigen to the T cells. There are other type of cells called dendritic cells, which are essentially the same type of cell as macrophage. Dendritic cells are cells found in the skin, in the lymph nodes, uh, and what, what they do is to present the antigen to the T cells. And here we see the action of these dendritic cells. Um, here we see this tissue with reminds of the skin. And in the skin, remember, we have the Langerhans cells, the type of cell. There's a dendritic cell. Here we see the antigen getting engulfed by this dendritic cell. And this dendritic cell is going to process that antigen. Macrophage can also do this. We eat the bacteria, digest it in many pieces, and get this piece and bring it to the lymph node. What happens in the lymph node? In the lymph node, we have, we have B cells, T cells. Well, the dendritic cell presents the antigen to the T cell. And this is the way that the T cell gets activated. Now we have it activated here. Everything, all this happening in the lymph node. And now the activated T cell leaves the lymph node and gets to the place where the antigen is present and is able to start attacking and fighting the infected cells there. This only is necessary for the T cell. The B cell will detect the antigen just straight. Circulating antigen will attach to the surface and the B cell starts producing antibodies. T cell needs presentation of the antigen by the APC, or antigen-presenting cells. Macrophages and dendritic cells are the ones that we call antigen-presenting cells. And this is just T-cell receptors? Just T-cells, yeah. Now there's a group of proteins called histocompatibility antigen or HLA or human leukocyte antigens also known as MHC molecules from major histocompatibility complex. Let's remember them as MHC molecules. These are proteins that are present on every single body cell. 
with a specific set of proteins that we have in every single body, in every single cell of our body. And they are called human leukocyte antigens because they were described in leukocytes first, that's all. But these are present in every single body cell. Except the red blood cells. The red blood cells don't have this. They have different type of antigens which are specific for them. So there are two types of this MHC molecule. Class one is the one present in all these um, body cells. And the class two, this one belongs to the APCs and B cells only. This is the way that the antigen-presenting cells present the antigen to the T lymphocytes. The class one are markers of all cells of our body. Let's see this example too see how they work. Killer cell, T cell, we said that these cells have the CD8 protein, which is actually very important. It helps in the, in the process of, um, uh, of the action of these killer cells, T cells of the targets. We see in green the class 1 MHC molecule that belongs to the target cell. This class 1 MHC molecule Let's say this is an infected cell. Let's imagine that this is a cell from the throat. It's our own cell. It has a class 1 MHC. That's a marker of a whole body cell. And the killer T cells will recognize the antigen that is infecting this cell, which is linked to this class 1 MHC molecule. The killer cell counts, recognizes that, and establishes this relation between the CD8 and the MHC1 molecule in order to attack that specific cell. On the other side, we have a helper T cell. In this case, this is a little bit different because this helper T cell, helper T cell is being presented, the antigen is being presented to it by the APC. APC is here has a class 2 MHC molecule. This class 2 is present in the, in the APCs. This APC has processed the antigen and expressed it here linked to the class 2 MHC. Helper T cell comes, recognizes that CD4 that belongs to the helper will anchor this here. And in this way, this helper T cell will be activated. It's being presented with the antigen. Cells ready to work. So this is to show the different type of MHC molecule. Class two, APC. Class one, a target cell, which may be every any type of uh, cell in our body. How this interaction works? Process of activation. Here we have a macrophage. 
And this macrophage is eating the foreign particle here. Eating the foreign particle, lysosomes here, and it's process, and these antigens will be presented on the top here, attached to the class two, this is a macrophage, ATC cell. Well, now this antigen will be recognized by the helper T cells, that's how the helper T cells get activated. And now we see the helper T cell here, binding to the B cell, and stimulating this B cell, helping this B cell to start working. And in this other case, we see a killer T cell binding to a tissue cell, which is infected with the virus inside. This body cell will have the class one MHC molecule. The antigen is presented here, recognized, and the killer T cell will destroy these, these infected cells. So this is a sequence of activation in response to a virus of a T cell. The virus is phagocytized by the macrophages or dendritic cells, APCs. These antigens are expressed on the surface of the presenter cell, the APC. Now the foreign antigen gets, forms a complex with the MHC2 molecule. And the macrophage will secrete interleukins to stimulate the proliferation of T cells. Through that interaction, the macrophage of HPC or APC will secrete interleukins to stimulate the division of T cells. Now we see that process here. We see the macrophage in the virus, the virus is processed here, cutting many pieces, one of the pieces, the antigen, is expressed attached to the class 2 MHC molecule, which is recognized by the helper T cell here, so this antigen is presented to the cell. Macrophage will produce interleukin 2, which optimizes the process of activation of these T helpers. Now these T helpers are going to stimulate proliferation of killer T cells here. Here, killer T cells are going to the infected cells and getting them destroyed. And in the case of B cells, the helper T cells will stimulate these lymphocytes to produce antibodies. I will see another graph for the B cells. Macrophage eating the virus, presented the antigen, helper T cells recognizes, gets activated, and now the helper T cell is going to stimulate the B cell in this way. The B cell will start transforming into plasma cells and making lots of antibodies. And also memory cells, as we say.
So summarizing all this, things to get from here. T-lymphocytes, B-lymphocytes, B-lymphocytes, antibody-mediated immunity, T-cells, T-lymphocytes, cell-mediated immunity. B-cells make antibodies, T-cells, they fight. There are different types of T-cells. Helper T-cells are very important because it stimulates both B-cells and T-cells. And the interaction happens through MHC molecules which are MHC1, all the cells of our body, MHC2 present only in the antigen-presenting cells. Helper T cells are the ones that are targeted by, uh, by the HIV, and that's why it impact on the immune system of this virus. And the macrophage is the link between innate immunity and adaptive immunity. Now let's describe now, besides the mechanisms, how these, all these mechanisms are studied and uh, the impact on actual diseases and reactions of the body. And let's call this active and passive immunity. Active immunity, as the name says, this happens when the immune system reacts, when the immune system works in reaction to some challenge, which is invasion of a foreign party. There's always a primary response after the invasion, after the invasion happens, and it takes, depends on the type, five days, seven days, before the antibodies are detected in the blood. So during that time, innate immunity is happening. And when the adaptive immunity triggers, and when we detect the presence of antibodies in the blood, and the person will start having symptoms, get sick. Sorry, you said immunity starts to happen. Mm -hmm. But this is a different way of seeing. We saw first innate adaptive, now we see the response in terms of symptoms, in terms of lab tests. For instance, sometimes people come to the emergency with fever, fever and uh, a series of symptoms which are like respiratory infection, uh, symptoms and things, very specific. You cannot tell what it is. And they say, I've been having this symptom for three days. What is it? You don't know. Let's take some tests. We may think of two or three possible viral diseases, let's say. So let's take some tests to detect antibodies. And we don't find antibodies for any of those diseases. There's nothing. So what is it? And we say, okay, you take this um, Motrin or Tylenol and come back in 48 hours. And sometimes the patient's view is, well, they did nothing with me, and they just uh, they don't know what I have. And uh, after two days, they come back, we take tests, and now we have a, a result. We know, okay, uh, the viral disease number one. We now the test. We now have the test. Why? Because we waited five days, and in five days the antibodies are being made. We're able to detect. It's not a rule, but it works in some diseases where there's nothing to to detect after two or three days of having symptoms. And after this primary response, 
we may see a secondary response if there is an exposure, a, a new exposure, a later exposure to the same microorganism, to the same infection, where the response will happen very quick. In less than two hours, we see antibodies working and fighting against the disease, and the person will, will not get sick. It's a typical example of someone who had the mumps or the measles during childhood. They got memory cells. And then later on in life, when they're exposed to the virus again, they don't get sick. They don't even notice that the virus entered the body because the memory cells quickly recognized the antigen, reacted. There were no symptoms. There were no, it was just all the machinery was ready for fight. This is how we see the, in a graph way the level of antibodies in the blood and time, weeks after exposure to the antigen. About, and this is just rounded number. After approximately one week after the exposure to the antigen, we start seeing in the primary response the increasing level of antibodies. But then afterwards, later on, we are exposed to the same virus again, we already have those antibodies, and the secondary response happens this quick and this strong. That level of antibodies is enough to stop the invasion and to control the microorganisms even before symptoms appear. Because that's the same concept of immunizations. Immunizations, what we do is we stimulate a primary response. So we will be ready when secondary response happen after, uh, later after when you are exposed to this virus again. So, for example, when you, when you have to make sure that you have the antibodies so for that. So that's what they're looking for, the antibodies. Exactly, exactly. And now, since you have memory cells and you have these antibodies, usually in the blood, for a long time, you can use it as a, as a diagnostic test. In hepatitis, let's say hepatitis A, we have antibodies against hepatitis A if we had the disease before, so we can detect those in the, in, in the plasma. For a long time, we were able to say, okay, you have antibodies against hepatitis A. You had the disease, yeah? You find out previously you had the disease. Clonal selection theory. This is related with what we said before, how the B lymphocytes will start replicating after they are stimulated and how they form clones. Uh, in this case, we have different types of lymphocytes, different letters, but if this antigen stimulates the lymphocytes labeled as X, then we will have a big population of these lymphocytes 
to secrete the same type of antibody. Now, when we are born, all the lymphocytes, B lymphocytes that we get, they are very varied. We have different types. They know already to react to some antigens, but not every single antigen in the environment. That's why we need exposure in order to be protected and uh, have a secondary response, a good secondary response, if needed. And in the lymphoid organs, in the lymphoid organs like lymph nodes, spleen, tonsils, if we see under the microscope, we'll see these nodules or lymphoid nodules or follicles with a germinal center. And what it shows is all this clonal selection happening. All these lymphocytes replicating, and there are many different antigens that they are reacting against, and we don't even notice, happening every single day. So active immunity is the principle that we use to make vaccines. And in vaccinations, we use antigens, not virulent means that they don't cause disease. We can use dead viruses or pieces of the virus. Remember, uh, the antigenic determinant sites, those are important. If we can identify that, we don't need to inject the whole virus. We just need to inject that part of the virus that stimulates the immune reaction. But they don't cause disease. They may cause in some cases because they are actually living viruses which are injected, um, but they are attenuated. They have been like knocked out and uh, they are not strong. But they sometimes are able to produce a response that give you some symptoms, actually after 24 hours, 48 hours, but they're mild and they are not a disease. But the most important is that we stimulate the active Using a kill virus, like the polio vaccine, a live virus, like MMR, attenuated, or a genetically engineering recombinant virus, like hepatitis B. The things, we can replicate all these molecules nowadays. We can even make this hepatitis B a long, uh, large-scale uh, production. Yeah. type of uh, material used. Not necessarily, it's just the type of virus and how we get a better response, a good response. And for polio, we have to use a kill virus because it's not possible to use a living virus because it will cause a disease and it's too risky, you have to be killed. But in the case of the um, MMR, MMR, um, the Viruses are usually live, but not strong enough to make the disease. And there are two types of polio vaccine, the Salk and Sabine, which are different also. Tolerance, immunological tolerance. This concept refers to um, how the immune system is to react. 
competence and tolerance. Competence is the ability of the system to react. And that develops very early by first the thymus helping the T cells to recognize self and non-self antigens and also after exposure. But the tolerance is defined as the continual recognition of these self and non-self cells. Imagine the amount of proteins and molecules that we have in our body cells and the T lymphocytes, they learn to identify and tolerate in some way, not, not start a reaction, immune reaction against those molecules. But if for some reason something changes, then the T cells will recognize those as foreign, as we were speaking before. There are autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, that happen later in life sometimes. Those are autoimmune diseases. What happened? Well, something happened. Sometimes we don't get to find out exactly what happened, but there's a change definitely. And the T cells fail to recognize those antigens are self antigens. And they start an immune reaction against the joints, against the skin, tolerance been lost and those cells start producing a reaction. Now passive immunity is different. It doesn't involve activation of the immune system. It's just a passing of antibodies. And that happens the transfer mother to fetus to the placenta mother to child in breastfeeding, the colostrum is that fluid that is secreted by the mammary glands first before the actual milk is secreted, usually during the very first days, or it can be artificial immunization, like a passive immunization, antidote, antivenom um, substance is prepared Antibodies actually prepared in the lab, and they're injected to the person, and they work there, like snake poisoning or spider poisoning. There are specific antidotes prepared. They inject that, those are antibodies, they go and neutralize the poison. And that's passive immunity. And it's able to compare all these mechanisms active and passive immunity. In active immunity, we inject the person with antigens. Passive immunity, we inject the person with antibodies. Source of antibodies, the person, because the immune system is activated, passive. It's natural, the mother uh, passes or artificial when it's injected. Now all these concepts of immune system and immunology, they are used now in treatment of tumors, in treatment of cancer, and this, the reason is simple. If cells have markers on the surface, well the cancer cells have also markers, and we are able to recognize those markers and 
able to make antibodies or start mechanisms to kill those cells, well, that will be a treatment for, for these type of cells or tumors. But there are some challenges because tumors sometimes develop in many different ways and the types of proteins that express, that are expressed in the tumors may be very different depending on the type of mutation that the cells may have. It's not always the same. And that's the reason why it's very hard to make a vaccine against cancer types. We may make a vaccine against some type of cancer that works only for that specific protein, but if there's other proteins expressed, that vaccine will not work at all. There's always antigens in the tumors. As we said, those proteins are expressed. They are actually proteins many cases, embryonic antigens. There are own cells, there are own cells, but they are supposed to be expressed during the embryonic life, not when we are adult. For some reason, they come back and are expressed again. Some of these antigens are found and can be detected with some blood tests. For instance, for colon cancer, there's a specific marker we call it CEA, and it's a protein that is expressed only during embryonic life, and then disappears. It shouldn't be found in adults. But if we find it, we may say, where is this happening? Some cell is getting transformed, and that may be an alert. It's not used as, only, as the only diagnostic tool. There are other things, but it helps sometimes in some cases. And all these transformations happens because of mutations, carcinogenic substances present in many things may cause this type of mutation. Viral antigens sometimes, viruses like the papillomavirus may be the reason of transformation and creation of tumor antigens. Antigens are not usually, are not supposed to be expressed. When they are expressed, they will start immune response. And here is where this type of cell comes in play. They call NK cell or natural killer cell. It is a type of cell related to the T lymphocyte. It is a lymphocyte actually, but it has a different way of differentiation, not like a regular T lymphocyte. But what is important is that these cells are able to recognize malignant cells and cells that are infected with some virus. But they don't need to be specific. They are part of the innate immunity. If we go back in the list, we'll see them in the list of innate of uh, um, uh, inborn immunity. They don't have, they don't need to recognize specific antigens. They just go and recognize this is abnormal and they destroy it. Whatever is a uh, cancer cell or an infected cell. 
that's the reason why they call natural killers because they go recognize this is not normal, this is abnormal, boom, destroy it. The T cell, the cytotoxic, is different. It, that needs to be specific. It won't work unless it recognizes some specific antigen. NK cell, no, just go and recognize not normal and, and destroy it. Now, the immune system, as any other system of the body, is affected by many factors, and some factors here in the immune uh, system is stress, aging process, of course. But there are many studies that show that stress will affect the immune system, and it's well known that someone is having a period of stressful uh, events, they will have more frequency of respiratory infections, for instance. They have more frequency of uh, gastrointestinal infections. Maybe because of the stresses affecting the immune system. The reason, one of the reasons the cancer prevalence is higher with aging pros, with aging, is because of decline of the immune system with the age. And also with the age, we start running out of cells. T lymphocytes are not made by the thymus anymore. And we may be more susceptible to some types of infections. How does stress affect the immune system? Stress, going back to the endocrine system, was mentioned as one of the reasons of increase in the production of cortisol as part of the long, long acting uh, response. And the cortisol will suppress the immune system. The cortisol inhibits inflammation, suppresses the immune system, and that's why in periods of stress, uh, the immune system can be compromised. Diseases of the immune system, autoimmunity. We've been mentioning this, failure of immune cells to recognize and tolerate our self-antigens. And what happens? Well, the B cells will start making antibodies. Those antibodies will start attaching to normal cells and will destroy them. Diabetes type 1 is one of those diseases where the cells that make insulin are targeted by uh, of antibodies and they are destroyed completely. Graves' disease, that's a thyroid gland. Thyroiditis, psoriasis, lupus, examples of autoimmune diseases. And here are more examples of those. Why this happens? There's different mechanisms. Some of them are exposed here. Antigen that normally exposed to the immune system becomes exposed. The thyroid gland is one of these organs that is well protected, well protected from contact with immune system cells. But if for some reason the antigens of the thyroid cells are exposed to the immune system, there will be an immune, re an immune reaction. 
and this problem called Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and it's an inflammation, it's a viral inflammation of the thyroid cells. And in that case, the antigens of the thyroid cells are exposed, and then after what comes is a reaction, immune reaction against the thyroid. Or the theory of haptins, which we mentioned at the beginning, where these uh, molecules attach to carrier molecules. In this case, in this example, the some medications, some drugs, like aspirin, in some cases combined with platelets, meaning it gets attached to the surface of platelets. And those platelets become antigens, and they are destroyed. That's called thrombocytopenia, the less number of platelets in the blood, which brings important problems, lack of coagulation and controlled bleeding. Rheumatoid arthritis. Antibodies are made against other types of antibodies. After an infection, the immune system may recognize these proteins as foreign and start a reaction against tissues of joints. Or antibodies that sometimes are made against foreign antigens will cross-react with similar antigens that we may have in our body. Like rheumatic fever, glomerulonephritis, are diseases that happen after some people have infections of the throat, with streptococcus B. Uh, years later, some of them may have a problem in kidneys or in the heart. Because a cross-reaction, those antibodies against the bacteria now react against some organs. It's a cross-reaction, this type of autoimmune disease. Or in the case of diabetes type 1, Graves' disease, where the self antigens are presented to T helper cells along with MHC2 molecules. And that's a failure in the regulation of the T cell activity. Remind me, what's Graves' disease? Graves' disease is a, a problem with the thyroid gland, the hyperthyroidism. There's a problem called immune complex diseases. When the antibodies react against antigens, this combination of antibody antigen is called a complex. Well, they are supposed to be cleared out, they're supposed to be removed from the blood. But sometimes what happens is that these complexes will accumulate and deposit in some parts of our body. They're supposed to be removed by phagocytosis, but sometimes they 
it gets like deposited in some places, like in the arteries, the blood vessels, hepatitis B, we see this sometimes, the complexes will deposit in the wall of blood vessels, or even in the kidneys, in the liver, in the heart. These complexes are supposed to be removed, they start getting deposited, producing damage of some organs. Finally, some words about allergies, which is a very common thing. It's an immune reaction, but it's an uncontrolled response. It's a normal response, exaggerated response usually uh, to an antigen. That's why it's called hypersensitivity. There are mainly two types, immediate and delayed hypersensitivity. The immediate involves B cells. Remember, B cells can detect the presence of the antigen directly. And that's why the effects are seen seconds sometimes, minutes after exposure. As a typical food allergy. <clears throat> During this process, B cells get stimulated by the by the antigen, but the dendritic cells will also stimulate the helpers that secrete the interleukins that stimulate B cells even more, and plasma cells, and they start producing many, many, lots of antibodies, making this exaggerated response, producing inflammation, producing all the signs of inflammation that we reviewed. And IgE antibodies are made, the type E antibodies. And those antibodies, the IgE, they actually, they are not, they, they don't go and circulate in the blood. They attach to mast cells and vasopills. And in the second time, in the second exposure to the same allergen, now these antibodies will bind with is IgE and will make these cells to release histamine, prostaglandins, leukotrienes, and that's the cause of all this reaction and all the symptoms that may be very dramatic and exaggerated. So in this graph we show that initially, the first let's say the first time that you expose an allergen that will bind to your B cell, and the B cell will make plasma cells, making an IgE. Those IgE will attach to mast cells. Second time that you're exposed, now this allergen or antigen will attach directly to these antibodies attached to the mast cells. And these mast cells will release all those histamine, heparin, making this sometimes all generalized response in many different parts. And the delayed usually happens 
after 24, 48, 72 hours after exposure. Symptoms are because of release of lymphokines. This is related to T cells, not histamine. Example, contact dermatitis, poison oak, poison ivy, where usually the response is delayed. It takes some time for this to, uh, to show. And some features of these two types of reactions are presented in this table here. Okay, any question, any comment? So next week we have the exam. Thursday we have the lab of these on acid base patterns. Would you post the study guide after today or on after Thursday? It is posted already. Oh, it's posted already? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't check it. Were you recording the, the list? Oh, yeah. Okay. You, you mentioned this, yes. the summary. I need to turn it off.